Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh! oh the the horror. horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check out our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com, to check out sure. our back catalog. Join our social media uh, presence, I guess you could say. Sure. Facebook group, Instagram. I still got that connection to YouTube, which I haven't done anything with because... Apparently, this is just enough for us to squeak by in the podcast first. <laughs> hey, man. It is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. It was a good day today. It was a great day. Yeah. Dino got to see Grammy. He did. Get some Grammy time in. He did. Yep, yep. He got to uh, lose his shit for a little bit, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's always fun. We went to Fly Creek. uh we did. What would that be? Fly Creek Orchard? Is Cider. Cider? Cider Mill. Yeah. Because they actually really do mill and press their, their yeah. apples for their yeah. cider there. I think it was you, your mother, yes, myself, yes, and at one point two other people in the store there. Two or three because they that. were sitting at the tables outside. When yeah. we, uh, yeah, so they might have been all one group, or yeah, I think it was a group yeah. of four of them, but they came through in like groups of two. Had the place to ourselves, we did, that was awesome. Uh, turns out there was no power, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, for half the place there, but yeah, they helped us out. Yeah. Shout out to Fly Creek, yeah, and then, uh, I got myself a pair of Burks finally. You did breaking those bad boys in, yep. You uh, nice. bit the bullet. Now you've got a nice pair of reliable, reliable footwear, dependable summer footwear, summer sandals. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been ch- trying to slay that dragon the last few years, and yeah, with my bad foot. Yes. Oh, clunky. Yes. Can't uh, can't get a break. So. You need a supportive footbed. Hey. I can't tell you how many articles I've read by podiatrists yeah. where they say you got to have a supportive base. Well, I always feel like I have to wear running shoes or nothing. Like really good running walking shoes or nothing. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that's the way my feet feel. Feel, yeah. And everything that I've ever tried. There's a couple like the gym shoes I have over there. They're okay temporarily. But yeah. if I'm rocking a pair of shoes all day, it's got to be like a really good walker mm-hmm. or a really good runner because my foot's all screwed up. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. It's not just my foot. It's my foot, ankle, lower leg. Yeah. All that's got to be happy because if not, it just shoots right up. It's like, yeah, we're going to mess your knee up. We're going to mess your hip up. Yeah. And we're going to fuck your back up. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Major yeah. injuries are awesome. For those of you that have major injuries. Do you the stupid shit when you're younger and yeah. you heal better? Yeah, no, it's true. It really so is So if true. you're going to make a catastrophic <laughs> mistake, mm-hmm. please do it when you're younger. Yeah, do it under 30. Yeah, because anything after 30, after 30, you don't heal like you did when yeah. you were. Well, especially being mid-40s right now. Yeah. I'm going to rock mid-40s as long as I can. Yeah. But. Like last week, I was on the golf weekend, mm-hmm. and I folded my ankle walking on there, and it's still 
sensitive. Where like folding my ankle a million times in my twenties, old maybe, noodle ankles here. Maybe you're just a pussy. Well, <laughs> could be. <laughs> but the fact is, is like it just doesn't take. I know it, it takes longer. Yeah, I mean, I it can does. walk and stuff, and I'm yeah. fine. I mean, we just what we walked a ton yesterday. We did, and we I did. walked. We on walked the last few days. Over almost two miles. Many mucho mas uh, walk, <laughs> walking distance. Yeah. Yes. Many so, mucho mas miles. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, Jonestown today. Yes. Cult of the Month. Our installment of the Cult of the Month Club. Yeah. Oh, what a doozy this one is. Yeah, I think if you were to rate cults on a 1 to 10. This of, is an 11. This one's way up there. Yeah. 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 This is uh on a scale of one to ten, this is a fifteen. <laughs> Plus two. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, what? But it really shows a uh, a sign of the times. Cause I don't I'd like to say with a lot of confidence that this wouldn't happen now. Right. But you never know. Right, yeah. So that's true. What do you got for sources? On I this have one? two sources. One is FBI.gov, uh, um, History Famous Cases, Jonestown. Mm-hmm. And then the other is an article from TheGuardian.com by J. Oliver Conroy. And I'm not going to, I'll just leave, I'll just do the beginning yeah. part of the title because it gives a lot away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just essentially an apocalyptic cult. Yeah, I did uh, All That's Interesting. Again, I'm not going to throw the title out too much. The Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. I checked out a thing with Rolling Stone, but I just can't. I can't do Rolling Stone anymore. Yeah. I I don't know what happened over there. Because I was a huge follower of Rolling Stone when I was a kid. And maybe that's what it is. Just like a sign. Like as you move. But I know people that are still into it, but. Like, when I was younger, getting the Rolling Stones, it was all music from front to back. Yeah. The articles were about music. Yep. And they might have delved into the personal stories of some of them or just, you know, some things that they... But the fact remains, it's still related to the music. Yeah. And then just somewhere they took a big turn away from music and they just yeah. started talking about... Well, like this, Rolling Stone doing something about Jonestown. It's yeah. like, what does that have to do with music? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, so I read it more just kind of curious, you right. know, to see yeah. what it was. And then I realized, yeah, this is why I don't really get into Rolling Stone anymore. I haven't missed anything by yeah. not reading Rolling Stone. FBI.gov. Yep. Same link you had there. Um, it was pretty interesting. And then uh, I got in a wormhole in allthatsinteresting.com, and I actually... Uh, Got into like hippie communes. There was a couple articles. Hey on those. man, that's cool, man. Well, and it actually applied yeah. during this because that was really kind of the time era, and yep. I'll, I'll get into that uh, later. But yeah, let's kick this off because there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, although he would later become a symbol of the darker side of the West Coast counterculture, James Jim Warren Jones was born May thirteenth, nineteen thirty one. Died November 18th, 1978. He was born to a poor family in Indiana. He's described as an intelligent and strange child. 
Jones was instinctively attracted to religion, especially charismatic Christian traditions like Pentecostalism. He cut his teeth as a street preacher and was unusual, um, unusually for the time and place, a passionate advocate for racial equality. Yeah. Uh, Jones's idiosyncratic blend of evangelical Christianity, New Age spirituality, and uh, radical social justice attracted an enthusiastic following. He called his newly burgeoning church the People's Temple. Although Jones's followers would later be stereotyped as sinister, brainwashed idiots, the journalist Tim Reiterman argues in his seminal book on the subject that many were, quote, decent, hardworking, socially conscious people, some highly educated, who, quote, wanted to help their fellow man and serve God, not embrace a self-proclaimed deity on earth, Mm -hmm. end quote. The People's Temple advocated socialism and um, communitarian living and was racially integrated to an exceptional uh, standard rarely matched since. In 1965, when Jones was in his mid-30s, he ordered the People's Temple to move to California. He drifted away from traditional Christian teachings, describing himself in messianic terms and claiming he was the reincarnation of figures like Christ and Buddha. Yeah, because if I can just hop in one Mm -hmm. quick moment. When he started out, again, it was one of these things where, like, the road to hell was paved with good Good intentions. intentions. Like, he had just real good stuff going on. Doing and like you mentioned before, I mean, he was doing things that was they were not popular back then, and, un- and unheard of, and really unheard of. I, I, this was really kind of the beginning parts of trying to desegregate areas, and yes. and really just devoting among civil rights activists and stuff, and and that his start in Indianapolis was big in that regard, yeah. and he had a good following, and even watching the documentaries and all that stuff, people really talked about like the energy there was just incredible because you were having these congregations for the first time where it's mixed race. Yep. Uh, anybody and everybody's okay. You know, it's uh, we're all in this for the same thing. Yeah. And we're looking for just a better, uh, a better option. Than- Photos of his congregation. Uh, they differ quite vastly from that of, say, Gwen Shamblin in The Way Down. Yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah. all white. <laughs> yeah. There's a, like, there's a there's few. a handful. But, yeah, but I mean. But the fact is, is, I mean, he was really doing some really just radical, amazing things. He was, and, yes. And then the, the whole, uh, this is where he kind of became the traveling preacher, so to speak, because mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, it was already starting this kind of attitude of his that was yeah. starting to where it was more than just preaching the word of Christ and yeah. preaching, um, you know, all of the good behaviors that people should take on and this and that. I mean, he built that as his core. Right. That's how yes. he got everybody coming in. But it was, it was as soon as Indianapolis where people, there were some people saying, yeah, you know what? No, there's some weird stuff going on here. Yeah. And, and his move to California was more to preserve the group that he already had. Right. And he was like, look, I'm heading to California. Who's coming with? Yeah. And you had those big hands raise up. Yep. And and a lot actually came over with him. It was a a massive amount. So. Yeah. 
Uh, he also claimed that his goal all along was communism and in a twist on the famous dictum that religion is the quote-unquote opiate of the masses, that religion was merely his way of making Marxism more palatable. Mm-hmm. By the 1970s, the People's Temple, now based in San Francisco, had gained significant political influence. Jones's fierce advocacy for the downtrodden earned him the admiration of left-wing icons like Angela Davis and Harvey Milk and the support of groups like the Black Panthers, a tragically misguided political affinity given that more than two-thirds of Jonestown's eventual victims were African-American. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. Uh, he got, At one point, he was huge with the media. Yes. The media was all into him. Yes. And, well, uh, he, he had an integrated church. Well, yeah, it was an integrated church, but also what he was getting, like at that time in California, was the numbers. Yeah. He was getting the numbers in a huge way. And it was a following all the way from like California Governor Jerry Brown, mm-hmm. even Rosalind Carter, mm-hmm. the first lady, yep. was into what he was doing and, yep. you know, giving him good press. And so he had all this going on like all cycles. He had the congregation oh, yeah. way into him mm-hmm. and he had the... Uh, the, the press and he had all of these yeah, larger he had a bunch of people larger who were figures what he was but, doing but this again was not where like time could catch up because even in like in Indianapolis uh he started moving more away from the church side of things yep. and uh he started getting that's when he was getting into faith healing mm-hmm. and you know to draw larger crowds and bring in more money. Yep. He found the faith healing thing working mm-hmm. out and he started promising miracles mm-hmm. saying he could literally pull cancer out of people. But it was basically what he was doing was pulling out like rotten bits of chicken. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just did all of it. And, and basically that's where he had to start moving from area to area because you have this one side of the group that's sitting there saying, this is a bunch of horseshit. Right. But then there was the other part of the team that was sitting there saying, yeah, you know, there is deception, but it's for a good cause. Right. You know, it's, it's for the it's right, for their own it's good. for the right things. And yeah. this is where that cognitive dissonance starts, you mm-hmm. know, where you start making up excuses for it. And, and that's where that dark road started. Yeah. Where, you know, it's now doing all this for the sensationalism mm-hmm. and the, the magnetism that he's getting, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) The People's Temple was, as David Talbot notes in Salon, successful in part because it was politically useful. Quote, Jones could be counted on to deliver busloads of obedient, well-dressed disciples Mm -hmm. to demonstrations, campaign rallies, and political precincts, Mm -hmm. end quote. Um, There were there were, however, already signs of a sinister undercurrent to the People's Temple. Followers were expected to devote themselves completely to the church's utopian project. They turned over their personal wealth, worked long hours of unpaid labor for the church, and often broke contact with their families. They were expected to raise their children within the commune. As a show of commitment, People's Temple members were asked to sign false testimonials that they had molested their children, which the church kept for potential blackmail. 
Jones, who had long believed the U.S. was in danger of imminent nuclear holocaust, had been searching for a place where his church would be, quote, safe, end quote, uh, during an apocalyptic event. A magazine article alleging abuse in the People's Temple spurred Jones's desire to relocate. He chose Guyana, a former British colony in South America whose socialist regime was politically sympathetic. Yeah, and this is again where he was getting into disaster after disaster everywhere he'd go. Like he had this traveling shtick. Yeah. And the shtick worked to to get some people in, but then he had this a great opportunity of, of seeing when it was going wrong and he'd be like, all right, we got to go, yep. you know? So it was just that, yeah. that moving show type thing. But there was definitely a point in California was the point where he started turning very apocalyptic. Yes. And I think this was a, a part of him just becoming a creator of his own destiny. He started to and, believe his own bullshit. Well, yeah, not only believe in his own bullshit, but also just looking because the problem is, again, with these cults and these movements like this is you get it's he had a whole just bunch of yes people around him. Yeah. And when you have a whole bunch of yes people around you, they can't just sit there and be like, hey, Jim, Jim, hold on a second. Simmer down. Do you think <laughs> maybe this is happening because of this or this is happening? You know, or do you think maybe you've no. gone a little too far? So this is where you, th- you know, yeah. you have yourself around a group of people that just elevate you to a status that you really don't rightfully belong. Correct. And, and you start, as you were just saying, believe in your own bullshit. Mm-hmm. So let's rewind the clock again, starting back in Indianapolis. He's a preacher, mm-hmm. love doing all that. And even in the uh, interviews and stories, they talk about, even younger, he liked that manipulation part of it. He knew he was good at it. Right. And he got off on it. Mm-hmm. So now he continues through his street preaching yes. and things that he was yep. doing. But let's just say for a moment that he did have good intentions mm-hmm. and he was just trying to get the word right. of God and Christ out and, and just and, wanted to save some and people. And just save some people and then mm-hmm. and then move over to this thing of, hey, you know what? It's not right, this whole segregation thing. Right. Let's let's and hey, as Let's long as we're saving can, each other, why don't you know, we just pool our resources? Yeah, pool our resources why don't because we become our own thing. Yeah, and I'm not going to get into the whole socialism, communism, bad thing. I'm not because I no. honestly I'm going to let words speak for themselves, and and facts. But the but the fact is is this was a time during the hippie commune era. Yes, this whole 60s and 70s yeah. bit, and there was a lot of communes that worked well. Yes, they weren't all terrible. Right. The problem was is most of them failed. Correct. And actually, let's be honest, all of them In failed. the end, yes. In the end, all of them failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all turned into yuppies in the 80s and were all about grabbing money and a paycheck because yeah. living on a plot of land, surviving off of each other is fucking hard. And it's a it, lot of yeah, work. It is. And it's a lot of work to yield very little at the grand scheme of, of things. Yeah. But what you also find out when you're in a group of people that's not elected, just people that randomly come in, you're going to have just like in your job. Everybody has this in their job where they work, where there's a team of 20 of you. Mm-hmm. Three are doing all the work for everybody. Yep. Then you have, uh, you know, maybe another 10 that's there contributing and helping out quite a bit. And then you have the others that are just like, yeah, you know, I come into work and 
I don't do any of the shit they do, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I call them the participation trophy Yeah, people. yeah. But this is how, this is why communes I didn't work. I was part of it, man. Yeah, I was there, man. I got this thing that says it. Says I, I was there. Yeah. But, but this is why none of the communes work because right, you yeah. had like a handful of people doing, doing all the, the freaking work. work and they're like, no, screw this. I'm yeah. working, you know, 16, 18 hours a day to keep this place afloat. And at that time in the 60s and 70s, they're like, I could work at a, a, a freaking anywhere for right, eight, yeah. 10 hours a day and be a hero and get paid money, you know, right, as yeah. a salesperson or whatever. Yep. And that's how it ended up working out. But but the commune idea, it's not like he was the only one. It was, it was all over the place. Yeah. And everybody was going, going through it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that's where he started positioning all of this after he left Indianapolis and got into California. And California was that commune era yes. of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. They had a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was just the, t- the talk of it. That's the answer. All this other stuff's not the answer. Right. This is the answer. And it went on for 10, 15, some of them. And I mean, there's still, believe it or not, there's still some communes left. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're left from there, but there's still some in existence. And they're very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't hear much about them because it's not a story, I guess, worth talking about. Right. I always wanted to dig into it and see because I, I wonder how it's changed since then or right or, or if just another group of people have taken uh, took over yeah was this something that just yeah. evolved through the whole thing and now you've got the kids of kids running or, the commune or, or is it just new it an, people was it an empty commune and a bunch of people moved in and was like yeah why don't we try why this don't we out give this a go? yeah yeah <laughs> but but yeah it was definitely that that era in that time yeah and the problem was is he was starting to wear his welcome out in California mm-hmm. and the press at this time. I can't imagine how. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and just so people can kind of understand, again, going back in time, Indianapolis, they had this whole, he was a street preacher. He had the great idea and everything. And then he started changing. Yes. And it was becoming more about him, his ideas, his views, yep. you know, the, the socialism, vision. the utopia, yep. the, uh, the commune type existence you know we got to pull together like this and that wasn't getting popular so moved to california Mm -hmm. which in his eyes that makes total sense because they're doing that in california right yeah now the crazy part and this is where everybody's got to understand where the crazy train gets crazy is he had to leave california because right it wasn't working out in california right if it's not working out in california Where's it going to work out? Well, man? and and he couldn't go anywhere else. And this is where Guiana becomes an option. Yeah. And and this is when he really started getting into more of the now it's not just the street preacher thing. It's not just the you know, getting rid of segregation and mm-hmm. uh doing the um all the kind of communitarian communitarian type like yeah. ideas. Now it's turning into this uh you know, the, the whole socialism, communism way is the right way, and we yeah. need to pull together. Build our own. And utopia. then in California, you know, so now these ideas aren't moving well. So now it becomes apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're out to get us. Yeah. And that rallied them together even more. Mm-hmm. And Guiana starts. 
1977, the People's Temple moved its headquarters to a remote area of Guyanese wilderness. Here, Jones declared they could build a utopian society without government or media meddling. Battling an oppressive tropical climate and limited resources, they began to convert the dense jungle into a working agricultural commune, soon known as Jonestown. Those members who appeared in Jonestown were stripped of their passports, ID, money, etc., thus making them slaves to the compound and unable to leave because they don't have their passports, IDs, money, etc. They're essentially crippled. As soon as they walk in the door, they're stripped of all of their stuff. Yeah. And Guyana was appealed to Jones because they had non-extradition status. Mm Mm-hmm. They had a socialist government as well, so he thought there was commonalities in there. Yeah. Uh, And, yes, if you were a member arriving there when they did, or there were some that waited back. Yeah. Some went in groups. Yeah, but most of them, this is the interesting story of this, because this is where it really starts picking apart where just how amazing this group was. Because there was the first kind of stage of people. Yeah, the first wave. The first wave. And and honestly, if you were to put it in a ratio of percentages, you're looking at like 20% of the group went there. Yeah, to set it and up. And 80% hung back and mm-hmm. was still trying to campaign, get more people in. And now this is where the excessive salesmanship came because you have Jones and we'll just call the 20%. The hardcores, mm-hmm. and it's and it's amazing because in the uh, in the documentaries and things that you re- like watch, they those folks really loved what they were doing when they got there. It yeah. was exciting. Yep, you know they went there. It was this plot of land that was nothing. Mm-hmm. It was nothing at all. There was no buildings. There was no. There, it yeah. was just an open part of land, and for that type of group that's going after that kind of life was the utopia. Until they started getting into it. But if, yeah, they got there, they lost their passport, they lost their ID, any kind of personal information. Yep, anything that they had. It was kept by Jones and the leadership, quote unquote. Yep. And this is where the cult stuff's really kicking in because if you want to leave, you got to go through leadership. And, Correct. And now the stuff back. And now the group's just kind of like, well, dude, you don't want to leave. You know, why yeah. do you want to leave? What are you going to go to? Why and, would you want to leave? And then they pipe the whole fear of, well, that's the apocalypse back there. You yeah. know, we're we're saving ourselves. If we go back there, it's going to be worse, way worse. Yeah. And no examples, just it's going to be terrible back there. The church delivered Jones's rambling monologues to Jonestown's inhabitants by megaphone as they worked. In the evenings, they attended mandatory propaganda classes Jones's writ was enforced by armed guards called the Red Brigade. Jonestown had little reason to expect interference from Guyana as they were a cooperative republic whose yeah. government happily ignored signs of the cult's authoritarian and paranoid bent. Back in the U.S., however, parents of Jonestown inhabitants, concerned by the strange letters or lack of letters they yeah. received from their children, had been lobbying the government to investigate. After a family in the U.S. won a custody order for a child in Jonestown, paranoia escalated. The commune became an armed camp ringed by volunteers with guns and machetes threatening to fight outsiders to the death. And we're not just talking about, like, 
little lever action rifles and stuff like that. AK 47s. Yeah. No, very militant stuff that they were obviously getting from the Guyana government. Right. You know, they weren't getting that from the States. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And during a, um, they're calling it a siege, but it was an imaginary siege. He liked to perform these, I, I don't know, I guess you'd call them like trials or like a drill, like how we had fire drills in school. Yeah, they were drills. They basically. did. They did these sieges. Mm-hmm. And Black Panthers Huey Newton and Angela Davis spoke to Jonestown inhabitants by radio patch to voice solidarity. Davis told Jonestown inhabitants that they were at the vanguard of revolution and right to resist what she called a profound conspiracy against them. So sometime during this period, Jonestown began the drills that they called White Nights, in which inhabitants would practice committing mass suicide. Yeah. There were already red flags, but, dude, I mean, practicing, practicing killing yourself. This is when you're in deep. This is when you're in real, real deep. You and, think? And and you look at it. I mean, it just all the signs leading up to this moment that you're talking about. I mean, they had moving uh, movie nights, and they started out with entertaining films, but mm-hmm. then they were slowly replaced with Soviet-style documentaries mm-hmm. about uh, the dangers and excesses and vices of the outside world. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was punishments. Rumors uh, escaped into Guyana that the cult. Members were harshly disciplined, beaten, locked in coffin-sized prisons, or just left uh, to spend the night in dry wells. Yeah. They would do that. Uh, Jones himself, you know, at this time was said to be losing grip just on reality Mm -hmm. because what people didn't know at the time is his health was deteriorating. Right. And and by uh, a way of treatment, he started taking, for the most part, nearly lethal combinations of amphetamines and uh, barbiturates and just uh, getting all messed up, Mm -hmm. period. Yeah. And and between the paranoia, and then he would just do these speeches all day on compound speakers. We were listening to, or no, we were watching uh, Jonestown documentary. Yeah. And they were playing... The his his speeches, his monologues and speeches. And I don't understand. And I think a lot of them did. I think a lot of them did realize that he was spiraling out of control and that they were in a uh, in a precarious situation. Yeah, it's it's a weird deal because like a survivor recalled, he said he would tell us that in the United States, because you got to understand they're in Guyana. There's no Internet. There's no press. There's nothing. There's one radio that leadership only 70s. has access to. Yeah. And and then they're only getting radio messages from the group in the States. Right. Yeah. You know, they're not getting anything else. And uh, they were talking about how in the United States, African-Americans were being herded into concentration camps, uh, that there was genocide on the streets, mm-hmm. and that they were coming to kill and torture them because they chose what would uh, was called the socialist track. Right. And he said that they're on their way. They're coming. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you're cut off like that and you're hearing that news, and not only is it just you're hearing that news, but it's also something that you've invested so much of your life to. Right. And 
and it's very easy to buy into all of that because if you're otherwise you did it all for nothing well yeah that's the if you're wired the right way to that where you need that mm-hmm. and you need that to feel justified into what you're doing mm-hmm. and and the idea of leaving that is destroying everything you have which in my opinion destroying everything you have is liberating yes you know i mean i that's why i told you when we first met i was like look i've lost everything at least twice, almost mm-hmm. three times. Yeah. It's like, but every time I did it, it's like, it's this reinvention right. of It's a new you. opportunity. It's a birth, yeah. you know, and, and you can, you can breathe different air and, and it's go like on. It's death card in a tarot spread. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the ending of whatever phase you were in and it's the opportunity for a brand brand new, new start phase. yeah your new thing and you get a group like this where it's just no nah, you know what i'm all in yeah it's it's the poker chips i'm all in and and i gotta just see where this goes i'm this is the trail i put myself down now the 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 practicing of the suicides they did many of those yeah and a lot of it was two prong. For Jones, it was to measure the faith of the group, right, and the trust, yeah, you know, yep. of of what he had in the members. And for them, it was to show that their faith was pure. Yes. And the first one, I just can't even imagine because I imagine after that, that's you know, this is where the conditioning was mm-hmm. really coming into play here because then they'd just be like. Yeah, you know, it's another drill. It's oh, another it's mass drill. suicide drill yeah, night. It's, it's another drill, you know. Or if they said, no, let's just take this seriously, you know, and make it almost like a moment of prayer mm-hmm. or something like that, a, a moment of tribute. Right. Yeah. And and that's what I seem to, it looked like to me watching the documentaries and reading interviews of survivors. And, you know, it was kind of this act of tribute, like, you know, We've gone this far. We're we're so far. Yeah. But even at this point, I mean, they're starving. Yeah. They're hungry. Yeah. All the land that they tried to get, uh, like the whole compound itself was on poor soil. Yeah. And uh, they just basically everything had to be imported in via negotiations on these shortwave radios. Right. And that's the only way the People's Temple could communicate with the outside world was these shortwave radios mm-hmm. that. You know, say you and I were part of the group. We didn't have access to that crap. No. It's all top tier. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they started doing these uh, these practice runs, so to speak. Or, like, I, I think tribute is more of a honest way of looking at it, where they would do these uh, suicide attempts. And they were doing it by ingesting some sort of liquid. Liquid, yeah. And... And you even saw in the documentaries where if someone wasn't, they'd gang up on each other. Yeah. And just, you know, what do you mean you're not doing this? You know, come on, let's go, let's go. You know, show your, show your, uh, you know, sh- show your face, so to speak. Yeah. Show your, your, your discipline. Crazy. Not me, man. I would have tossed it over. Oh, that was delicious. Yeah. Dude behind me soaking wet. Yeah. Dude, why are you so nervous? Sweating and shit. <laughs> I think, because I, I try to think of in something like this, when would I bounce? And I know it would have been very early, but I try to give myself like the benefit of the doubt of like, all right, let's just say I hung in all through Indiana. 
Yep. And let's say. Oh, I'm I'm looking you know, at it as I wouldn't even have joined in Indiana. It like yeah. if I were to have. Let's say you stumbled onto them into, in California. Right, I would have stumbled onto them in California, and I probably would have agreed to go mm-hmm. because I would be like, I I know how to grow shit. I know how to. Yeah, yeah. I know how to cultivate. I know how to. You would have been on a commune in the seventies. I would have. I would have. Seventies. You would have. You. I would have. And I would have been very valuable and highly regarded <laughs> because I can grow shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but the minute he started, Go, or going we off. we started getting more people than could be sustained yeah and he's going off i would have been like listen i mean i know i can grow some good shit but yeah i i'm out Mm -hmm. yeah and the whole i i would have never made it to guiana i would have never done that i think i think just before i i'm just not good with people telling me what to do yeah that's really yeah. my big problem. Yeah. And and it's for good things and bad things. Like if you sit there and say, you have to do this, I'm instantly like, I don't know, do I? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, get it's that. just uh I get that. And and that's for good or bad. Like, you know, you you would sit there, I'd have a bad headache. You're like, you know, just take something for it. Just take some and, and what do I say? No, uh, I'm fine. Uh, nah, you know, maybe a little later. You know, I just yeah, I, and I, then oh, I couldn't sleep. My head hurt. <laughs> okay, you know, babe, my head hurt all day. You know that? That <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's too bad. There's like nothing you could take or, <laughs> or do that could I don't know maybe alleviate some of that pressure, and I don't know maybe make some of the pain go away may- at the very least sit down with the cold comfort bag but dude you just sit there and you're like <laughs> and i know you're just like you're, you're i'm just gonna tough this out i'm just gonna i'm just gonna fight my way through it sometimes you can't fight your way through it no I, that and that i do but like i said this is where especially doing this podcast all this time i i think it's down on like the DNA genetics level. Yeah. Like people are just wired a certain way. Yeah. And the minute I suggest you could take something for it, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't dismiss it right away, but I'm just like, eh, we'll see. I'm yeah. a, we'll see person. Yeah. I mean, it, we'll see. We'll see how I am in an hour. I have know? found it effective to just walk over with the pills in my hand and water yeah. in the other hand. And you'll and you will concede. You'll be like, you yeah, know, that's probably a good idea. And then you'll take it, and then you'll be like, yeah. hey, you know, my headache started to go away. I I could actually sleep last yeah. night. Yeah. My problem is, is if I encounter something that I haven't done before, mm-hmm. I I'm very attracted to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have that definite. I'm one of those ones that's just like you know, especially if someone's like, yeah, that can't be done. Well, I'm gonna start. Hold, hold I'm gonna start. You know. Scratching the A and the S off of the aspirin tablets, and I'm going to give you your Purin tablet My whenever, Purin, whenever yeah. you have. A yeah, you better come up with something <laughs> clever than that, Jen. Something clever than that. <laughs> that ain't going to work. No, I think 
I would have gone a few times. I think once, because you know, you know what scares me about stuff like that is it's not the leader, it's the people. The followers? Yeah, like the followers are the turnoff for me. Yeah. Because even like some churches, like I'll go into some churches that are, you know, right in line with what I'm into, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. But I'll just look and I'll just be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm out. I'm not doing it like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's where that's where I get shocked sometimes is it's it's not. And that's where I hate. I hate when people say with these cults, you know, oh, it's this person's fault. Like, like when they talk about Nexium, it's like, eh, it's Keith. It's Keith's fault. Keith did all this to him. Here's the thing. And it's like, no, you did that to each other. Like, from my perspective, I wouldn't have gone to Guyana because mm. of him or even what yeah, any of yeah, the other ones were yeah. saying. I would have gone for the challenge of mm-hmm. seeing, can I make this, can I... Can I use my my powers for good? Yeah, yeah. Can I use my know, green hands? What, yeah, yeah. I would poison ivy that shit. No, and here's the thing is like if, if I was with you, I'd be like, we could do that anywhere here in the States. We don't have to go there with That's this true. That's group true. of shenanigans. But if you know? I didn't have you yeah. in my ear oh, being okay. like, hey, we could do this anywhere, yeah. I'd be like, Pfft. Yeah. I can grow shit just about anywhere. Yeah. I and you know what? I I would have. I would have seen it as a challenge. No, I watch that. See, that concerns me sometimes with you because, like, I'll watch salespeople. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're around something, like, say we're shopping for a car or something, or just anything, and like, I'll watch a salesperson just like put their hooks in you. Yeah. And I look and I'm like, holy fuck, that's scary. Like, I just yeah. watched that happen. Yeah. You know, and I'll just turn to you and I'll be like. Stop. Yeah. Don't, don't let them, don't tell them that, you know? And, and like, especially like I was, I've noticed that a few times when we'd like shop for cars and stuff and it just, they instantly, and I love the dynamic cause they instantly run to you. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, well, if I get her into yeah. the car, what they then, don't understand but is what they don't I'll understand the shit out of them. Yeah. But what they also don't understand is, is you could be a hundred percent sold and I'm still not budging. Like yeah. we don't have yeah. that dynamic no. where you're just no. like you're gonna put your foot down and be like, I'm gonna scream until I get this car. Yeah, no, that's not. You know, <laughs> I kind of wish you would let it play out like that because I'll humor them. Yeah, I'll answer all your questions. You want me mm-hmm. jump through your hoops? Okay. Oh yeah. But at the end, I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't care. Oh. I don't care what car we get. I don't care about any of the details. I'm like that's that's his job. I'm an auto I'm an automobile salesperson's worst nightmare. Yes. Worst nightmare cuz you're not getting away with anything. No. You're not going to make any money. Yeah. I'm I'm going to just nail you straight to the wall. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to work in my favor and you think you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Like that kid that sold me the Mercedes, I destroyed that kid. Yes. And I broke him down. Yeah. 6 hours. In yeah. the freaking sales room with my mother. And yes. I made him feel guilty. I go, you know, we just need to get this deal done. And he's like, well, you know, I just can't do it for this. And I turn around, I go, she's starving. She's an old woman who's starving. How dare you do this to her? And then he instantly, that was what broke him. He was just like, yeah, all right, we'll work this deal out. You know, and then I found out like two days later that he was gone. Yeah. He doesn't Good work job. there anymore. <laughs> 
Hey, I got a good deal on a nice Mercedes E three fifty. Uh, yeah, you know, hey, it worked. Mm-hmm. But At what cost? <laughs> Machiavelli. <laughs> the ends justify the means. So you destroyed a kid's career. No. You got your car. I don't think so. I think he learned that he couldn't be a salesperson because not everybody's cut out for that kind of work. I don't like being a salesperson. Mm-hmm. I have to 100% believe what I'm selling. Yeah. Because if, if I don't believe it for 1%, I'm out. Yeah. I can't look you in the eye and say, oh, yeah, no, this is safe for your family. You know, don't look at all these uh, crash ratings that are piss poor you and don't know. look at, a, at the bodies yeah. of crashed or you got that asshole it's just like it's best in class it's like it's the only car in its class yeah. well it's best in class it's best in know. class yeah i just i couldn't be that person i it just i'd be one of those ones where you know they'd be looking at a sedan and be like yeah what are you looking into well you know i'm looking into an suv it's like all right well i'll, well, I'll let you let's be. go look at some suvs yeah and then it'd just be like oh well i'm not really into these okay have a good day <laughs> that would yeah, be no. that would be me. You, I could I could sell the you shit. Crush the stuff. hell out of sales. <laughs> you could get you could get somebody that when walks I worked in, at the barrel. The guy that was what was it? The rocking chairs. The store manager. He goes. I'm amazed at your ability to get people to buy this useless junk that they don't need. Yeah, and I go honestly. All I do is justify their purchase. I go, I'm an enabler. So yeah. when they're looking at something and they're like, I don't know, do you think this is worth it? I'm like, well, I look at things this way. Is it something that I truly want or yeah. something I truly need? Is there a, a use that I can get out of it? Or does it bring me joy you know, does yeah. it just make me happy? Yeah. And they'll go, yeah. And then I'll be like, well, if you're buying this, you should probably get this to go with it. And they go, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. They go great together. $100 later, they got their stuff. Here's the thing, though. But I killed oh, some yeah. of those rocking chairs. Yeah, you did. I did. Like, I crushed l- that Lethal. Shit. Yeah. However, what... I think works for you as well as you're a kind, nice person. Like And I listen. Yeah, you listen. You're good looking, which doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> you know, but like I could people warm up to you really quick. They do. Yeah. They do. Where say someone like myself, I got to really pour it on thick to get warmed up quick. Because yes. most people look and they're like, that's a guy who chokes puppies in his spare time. Yes. It's, can confirm. Yeah, that's the vibe I... You would not have sold the most rocking chairs. No. <laughs> no. I would have lost my job because I sat in that rocking chair for like two shifts straight. Yes. And just didn't do anything else. Yes. You'd be like, I'm selling chairs. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to sell chairs. Yeah, I'm trying to sell chairs. But, so, but you get something I'm 100% in and, yeah. I'm, and I'm ruthless, you know. Yeah, like... The newest uh, HDMI cable. <laughs> oh, God. What were we talking about now? We were talking about What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So. We'll get away from that At topic. the behest of concerned family members in the U.S., 
the California congressman, Leo Ryan, organized a delegation of journalists and others to make a fact-finding mission to Jonestown. So California congressman Leo Ryan was genuinely concerned. Mm -hmm. He'd been hearing that there was trouble in Jonestown and that the makeshift settlement carved out of the jungle of Guyana by Jim Jones and his cult, like, following called the People's Temple was, eh. Yeah, Ryan also was friends with a People's Temple member. Yes. And uh, the body was mutilated, and they found it two years prior. Uh, and, you know, since then, he gathered around other U.S. representatives, and they started getting an interest into the cult. Right, yeah. And and this, you know, of course, just fuels all of the conspiracy right, yep. theories and all this because now the government for us the government's checking us out man they're us. coming yeah the allegations were serious though jonestown sounded more like a slave camp than a religious center mm -hmm. there was talk of beatings forced labor and imprisonment the use of drugs to control behavior suspicious deaths mm -hmm. and the rehearsals for a mass suicide well because you also got to understand that this area there there's no laws no. There's no governing body. No. The government of Guyana just said, yeah, you know, that's you guys over okay. there. Have fun with your plot of land. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> call me. Please don't. Please yeah. don't. You know. Here's my number. Yeah. And, and, and then when they called, uh, new phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> In the fall of 1978, Ryan decided to visit Guyana to find out what was happening to the more than 900 members of Jonestown, many of whom were his constituents from the San Francisco area who'd followed the scandal-plagued Jones to South America. Yeah, it was 18 people, including uh, several members of the press. Yeah, so Ryan and his congressional delegation flew to Guyana on November 14, 1978. A few days later, they arrived in Jonestown along with various government officials and a group of reporters. There, Ryan met with Jones and interviewed many of his followers. Not surprisingly, some families and several individuals asked to leave with Ryan, while others apparently left on foot on their own. Jones was not happy well and here's the weird thing of ryan's visit uh leo ryan's visit was a, a weird thing and and there's footage of this it's not like it's speculatory no, or anything no there's like actual that. footage but basically ryan at the time didn't really think anything bad was going on there he was just going to check it out well no even when he was there like he wasn't you know there were some things he was kind of questioning but he reasoned at the time, he goes, uh, you know, he goes, I, we all asked several members to leave with us right there because they didn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. He goes, by the end of the day, there was a dozen out of 600 or so adults that wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a dozen out of 600. That's not a, that's high, not a high raise margin. for concern no. or anything like that. So, you know, he was just kind of cool with it. Right. That, and this kind of shows the craziness of what was going on, because as as you were. Ryan wanted the entire group to fly out together, but fearing retribution to any uh, left behind. But that required a second plane and delayed yeah. the departure. That proved to be devastating. Yeah. The group eventually assembled at a local airstrip on the afternoon of the 18th. But as Ryan's plane prepared to leave, a dump truck from Jonestown arrived with several armed men. They opened fire on one plane, 
while a cultist named Larry Layton on board the other pulled out a gun and began shooting. In the melee, Ryan and several others were killed and many wounded. Meanwhile, back at the compound, Jones was hatching an unthinkable plan. He called his followers together and essentially ordered them to swallow a fruit drink that was apparently laced with cyanide. He rationalized that the attack on the planes would bring harm to the residents of Jonestown, which, which justifiably so. Yeah. A few apparently objected, but in the end, more than 900 cultists, uh, one source I saw said it was 909 people total, yeah. including more than 200 children, were soon lying lifeless on the ground. Jones, too, was dead with a gunshot wound to the head. Yeah. Total count, like I said in one source, was 909 people. The FBI soon launched an extensive investigation in concert with other agencies with their jurisdiction based on a congressional assassination law passed six years earlier. Working with authorities in Guyana, agents interviewed survivors of the mass murder-suicide, while fingerprint and forensic experts from the FBI disaster squad identified the many victims and Jones himself. Agents across the nation also searched out and talked with members of the People's Temple in the U.S. for further insights. In the end, along with helping to unravel the chain of events and bring closure to grieving families, the FBI were able to make a case against Larry Layton. Layton, the only member of the People's uh, Temple tried in the U.S. for criminal acts at Jonestown, was ultimately extradited, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. But... You know, that's unfortunately not the end of the story. You know, as so while the delegates never really made it off the ground and this whole thing is happening back at Jonestown, the people of Jonestown, some were acceptant and serene. Others were probably coerced. They queued. They queued up to receive the cups of cyanide punch and yeah. syringes. Yeah. The children, um, more than 200, were poisoned first yeah. and can be heard crying and wailing on the commune's own audio tapes, yeah. later recovered by the FBI. Yeah. And no, when it's... Guyanese troops reached Jonestown the next morning, they discovered an eerie, silent vista, frozen in time and littered with bodies. A tiny number of survivors mainly people who had hidden during the poisoning, emerged. One elderly woman who slept through the entire ordeal. I was wondering if you were going to bring that to up. To discover everyone dead. Yeah. Jones was found dead of an apparently self-inflicted gunshot. Gunshot wound, wound. yeah. No, there was a woman that fell asleep through the whole, whole thing. thing. And talk woke ab- up. You know, talk about guardian angels. Yeah, like some massive divine intervention there. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Well, and what's weird, too, is the uh, the Guyana government brought people over there because they heard of the whole shooting mm-hmm. with all that, so they went to check the camp out the next day, and they were saying, uh, the reports read that there was a bunch of fog that was in the area, so they were walking around. Mm-hmm. And then they started, uh, their report said that they they were tripping over things. And at first they thought that the People's Temple put logs to kind of slow people down from coming in. And then they realized they were tripping over bodies. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was a kid and that was on TV and just like all the bodies around the tent. I remember seeing those And I remember asking my dad, I was like, what? 
what's that? He's like, it's just people that killed themselves. It's a mass suicide. Yeah. Which, uh, like, I have a problem with that where they call it the Jonestown Massacre. Yeah. It's like, it's a suicide. Yeah. You even look at the pictures and like, you know, don't take my word for it. Look at the pictures. Yeah. They got their arms around each other. Mm-hmm. It's a weird situation. It's a weird scene. It it's is really weird because you, you you got like these families that got their arms around. They literally died around just like loving each other. Right. And, but one could argue that because they had done these drills so many times that they probably didn't realize it was actually real until they started to feel the effects. And then, yeah, you would cling to your loved ones. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, we're really going to die. No, and this is where I think people don't look at the whole picture of things. It's yeah. like, look, you just had a bunch of people from the U.S. come and visit. Yeah. And then they all left. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he starts going nuts. And, like, you could hear on the tape at one point, I got a quote where it's, you know, die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguish cries. Death is a million times preferable to 10 more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a point where, and I, I, I imagine this is the point where like you can go past the point of no return sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's where I feel bad for people like this. It's like, you know, you it's so easy to sit there and just say, God, they're just stupid idiots that fell into a cult. And right. here's the thing. You're right. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. I'm not gonna teddy bear it up at all. I mean no. that you're 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 a stupid individual for taking this all the way. Yes. Um for not bailing at some point. At some point. You yeah. had eight million off ramps. Yes. As you're going down this road, but you just stayed tunnel vision mm-hmm. and came up with this excuse, that excuse, this excuse, that excuse. And I mean, even just like watching those documentaries and the survivors and they went back there. Yeah. And it's all grown in. And you're watching them cry because they were talking about how beautiful it was when it started. Yeah. And it's like that only lasted a fucking week. Yeah. Like a week to two weeks. And you're hanging on to that to little. That. That yeah. little thing, you know, even after it's all said and gone. Yeah, after literally. it's all been destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just amazing that that could go on. But but I get that people put themselves in and this goes into the wired bit of it, where people are just wired into that. It's it's amazing. And Jones the whole time just begging them to hurry up and you know, tells the adults to stop being hysterical and exciting, uh, you know, the screaming children and all that stuff. Yeah. So there was there were people that were scared. Yeah. Because I don't care who you are, dying's scary. Yeah. And and I and that's where like the screaming and the hystericalness, I think that I think people knew it wasn't a drill. Yeah. But also you have now this group effort where you can't pull from the group. Nope. You can't do this. You can't, you know, no. fall in. Yep. And and people, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that stick to that agenda. Mm-hmm. And and this goes back to, uh, well, did you have more on this? Because there do. was a couple, go for um, it. One of the journalists attacked on the airstrip 
Tim Reiterman of the San Francisco Examiner, survived two bullet wounds and went on to write Raven, the untold story of the Reverend Jim Jones and his people, still considered the definitive history of the Jones cult. Yeah. Reiterman has argued that it is impossible to separate Jonestown from its political and social context. The people's, quote, the People's Temple was, as many communes, cults, churches, and social movements are, an alternative to the established social order, a nation unto itself. He wrote in Raven, The temple I knew was not populated by masochists and half-wits, so it followed that the members who gave years of labor, life savings, homes, children, and in some cases their own lives, mm-hmm. had been getting something in return. Yeah. Well, in this whole thing, uh, they used Flavor Aid with. Yeah, that's the, where um, the phrase "Don't drink the Kool Aid." The whole phrase "Don't drink the Kool Aid." Yeah. If you've heard this your whole life, and not and know not really it, understand the origin the story, is. the ori- yeah. origin story is Jonestown. But what's also funny about it, I don't is think it it's wasn't funny even for- Kool Aid. Yeah, it was, was Flavor Aid. Flavor Aid. It was a cheap knockoff of of Kool Aid, basically. And uh, was it Flavoried the one that had the little uh character cups like rootin' tootin' raspberry? I know it was like the orange stuff, like they okay. just had like yeah. an orange flavor, I think. I don't know, but yeah, this is where like before doing this podcast, I just sit there and it's just like, yeah, no, a fucking idiot would just get into all this, you know, like who the hell does it? But I get it, like I'm not wired that way, right? And so I'm gonna repeat. The ash experiment real quick because okay. we do that every time, but I, it's it's worth going through. It's worth mentioning. And especially if you haven't heard our other episodes on the uh, the cult of the months that we do, it relates. It relates. It uh, yeah. So the ash experiment was uh, basically a group of, of people, we'll just say 10 people, and one would come in and they were the test subject. The other nine were part of the the experiment. They were, you know, basically what you would call like stooges. Right. And the point of the exercise was, is you had a sheet of paper in front of you with three clearly distinct lines of different lengths. And it wasn't kind of halfy half. There was a long one, a medium one, and a short one. And then you would be presented a line and you'd have to say, does it match with line A, B, or C? Mm -hmm. Long, medium, short. Right. And what would happen is they would do this question about 10 times. The first couple, the whole group would agree right. on everything. Yep. And and the person, the subject who was in it was towards the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then basically, so you'd have the first person, oh, it's B. And it's clearly B. It's right. clearly yeah. the medium line. Second one, B. Third one, B. Fourth one, B. And then it gets to you who's the subject and you're like, yeah, no, it's B. B. So then it would start. You know, on like the third question, and the whole group was in on it and would change their answer. Yep. So if it, if they flipped it over and it was A, it was the long line, they would go at C. Yep. And they'd go through the whole deal. Now, the scary part of this whole thing, and they do this about every 10 years, yep. just to prove the point that it never changes. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it gets worse. Right. Sometimes. Uh, basically, Ash measured the number of times each participant conformed to the majority view. Right. So what was happening was is he found that 32%, one-third mm-hmm. 
of the participants who were placed in this situation went along and conformed with the clearly incorrect majority on the critical trials. Yeah. That's 30%. Yeah. If you're in a room of 100 people, that's 30 people who conformed. Yes. And over the 12 clinical trials that he did, about 75% of the participants conformed at least once. Mm-hmm. Debated them, you know, denied them, you know, de- like basically... Right. Just said, yeah, okay. And and 25% never conformed. Right. So in the control group, with no pressure to conform, you know, basically everyone had their own opinion. Less than 1% participants gave the wrong answer. This is the power of a group of people together. Yes. And people really need to start paying attention to that yes. in their life. Yes. I'm not saying with anything, it's just it's something you have to be careful of yes. to protect yourself. The conclusion of the whole thing is why did the participants conform so readily? Because this is a simple thing. It's not complex. We're not talking about yeah. religion. No, it's We're just not talking lines. about like politics or no. or your job and like school learning something. This is just three basic lines on a sheet of paper. Yep. This is basic. And when they were interviewed after the experiment, most of them said that they did not really believe their conforming answers. Right. So they agreed. They knew they were giving they the incorrect answer. They knew they were giving answer. the incorrect answer, but they went along with the group for fear of being ridiculed or thought peculiar. And a few of them said that they really did believe the group's answers were correct, which is even scarier. Yes. Yes. So this is where, again, like, I really wanted to do these cult of the months because I feel it's informational. I think people need yes. to really understand that. Like I said, this is a third of the group. Yeah. So out of 100 people, you got 30 people that are just like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go wherever the group goes. Okay. No matter what it is. Yep. And then, like I said, at, at one point where it, 75% conformed at least once. Would you like some delicious Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is where, you know... I used to ask myself all the time, it's like, how did Germany get to where they were in World War II? Yeah. Because it wasn't, you know, everybody can say, oh, Hitler was evil, and I'm not going to disagree. Goebbels was evil, evil. I'm not going to disagree. But at the end of the day, you had these whole villages and communities. Where people fell in. Towing the line. Yeah. And, well, and you had communities that were right around the corner from these concentration camps. Yeah. And those camps were there. They knew they were there, and, and they, they knew, knew exactly what, what the hell was there. going on in yeah. there, and they fell in. Yeah, and did. a lot of it is this ash experiment yeah. type of behavior. The other thing to blow your freaking mind is the Milgram experiment, which we haven't brought up yet. Okay. Now, are you familiar with this one? No. So three individuals would take part in a session of the experiment. Okay. Just three people. You had the experimenter who was in charge of the session. Right. You had the teacher who was a volunteer for a single session. Now, the teachers were led to believe that they were merely assisting, but in this case, they were actually the subjects of the experiment. Okay. So they were unwillingly known to be subjects. They actually thought that they were assisting the actual experiment. Right. Now, the learner was an actor and confederate of the experimenter, the one who's in charge of the session, who pretended to be a volunteer. So the experimenter and the learner are in on it. Yeah. 
the teacher is the subject and has yeah. no idea Isn't what's going on. on. So the subject and uh, the actor uh, were the basically learner. the teacher and the learner would arrive at a session together. Mm-hmm. The experimenter, the one who's in charge, told them that they were taking part in a scientific study of memory and learning and to see what the effect of punishment is on a subject's ability to memorize content. Also, uh, he always clarified that the payment for their participation in the experiment was secured regardless of its development. Either way, you're getting paid. Right. So the subject, the teacher, and the actor, the learner, drew slips of paper to determine their roles. And unknown to the teacher, the subject, both slips said teacher. Uh, the actor, the learner, would always claim to have drawn the slip that read learner because he's right. They're yeah. in on it. He's in on it. So this guarantees that the subject would always be the teacher. Right. Yes. So they get that through. So next, the teacher and the learner are taken to an adjacent room where the learner was strapped into what appeared to be an electric chair. Mm-hmm. And then the experimenter, the one conducting everything, dressed in a lab coat in order to appear to have more authority. Right. That was the yep. whole point of it. Uh, told the participants that this was to ensure that the learner would not escape. And at some point prior to the actual test, the teacher, again, the I'm just making sure everybody gets it, the subject, was given a sample electronic shock from the electroshock generator in order to experience firsthand what the shock that the learner would supposedly receive during the experiment would feel like. Right. So there was no separation of this. No. The actual subject, the teacher, knew what what these shocks, shocks would, would, do. would go. So then the teacher and the learner, subject and the um, volunteer, would basically, um, they were separated so that they could communicate, but they couldn't see each other. Mm-hmm. And then the teacher was then given a list of word pairs that he was to teach to the learner for the memorization. Right. The teacher began by reading the list of word pairs to the learner. The teacher would then read the first word of each pair and read four possible answers. The learner would then press a button to indicate his response. If the answer was incorrect, the teacher would administer a shock to the learner and the voltage uh, would be increasing in 15 volt increments Mm -hmm. for each wrong answer. So if correct, the teacher would read the next word pair, move on. The volts range from 15 to 450. Jesus. 450 can kill you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So the shock generator included verbal markings that vary from slight shock to danger to severe shock. Right. So the subjects believed that for each wrong answer, the learner was receiving actual shocks. Right, yes. The teacher. Yep. In reality, though, there was no shocks given. Right. But the teacher, the subject, yes. had it clear in their mind because they walked in first, yeah, they got the shock, the shock, and said, this yeah. is how this is being administered. After the learner was separated from the teacher, the learner set up a tape recorder integrated with the electroshock generator. And this played previously recorded sounds for each shock level. So okay. this yeah. put the authenticity to it. As the voltage of the fake shocks increased, the learner began making audible protests bang repeatedly on the wall, separate them, uh, you know, that separated them from the teacher. In every condition, the learner makes and says a predetermined sound or word. Uh, When the highest voltages are uh, reached, 
the very yep. highest ones, the learner would f- uh, fall silent. Right. So it was just chaos, chaos, chaos. And then silence. once the highest one, silence. If at any time the teacher indicated a desire to halt the experiment, the experimenter was instructed to give specific verbal prods. And this is the experimenters, the, yes. the one leading it. The prods were in this order. Please continue or go on. Then the next prod, number two, the experiment requires that you continue. Third one, it is absolutely essential that you continue. Fourth one, you have no other choice. You must go on. So there's no out. Right. So prod two could only be used if prod one was unsuccessful. These weren't interchangeable. Yeah. They'd start with please continue or go on. And then if that was enough for you, they'd stop. Mm-hmm. But if you were like, nah, I just, I'm not really comfortable about this. No, no, no. The experiment requires that you continue. Right. And then you're just like, no, nah, I still, you know, no, it's absolutely essential that you continue, you know, and go right through. So if the subject still wish to stop after all four successive uh, verbal prods, the experiment was halted. Right. Yes. So that's all they had to do was go through all four, all four of these. Cues. And then they just say, and all it right, would be done. we're done here. Yeah. Pretty simple, you think? Yeah. Otherwise, the experiment, uh, or where was it? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, the experiment was halted after the subject had elicited the maximum 450 volt shock three times in succession. Jesus. So here's your outs, just if you're not keeping up. Yeah. You, you got to go through this. You got to say the, the word pairs, and then you get one. Mm-hmm. And then you got to match the other one. If you match the other one, you pass go. Right. To the next one. If you don't match it, I have to give you a shock. Right. And if you keep fucking it up, I give the you- The shots get worse The and shocks worse. get worse and worse and yes. worse. And if I don't want to do it, it goes through the four prods of going yep. through there. So now there's two ways out. I can go through the four prods and then just say, no, no I'm not doing I'm, this. Yeah. And we're done. Yep. Whole thing's done. Mm-hmm. Or I shock you- 450 volts yep. with the different subjects yep. and all that. So, um, yeah, it would halt after the subject that elicited the maximum 450 volt shock three times in succession. So the experimenter also had prods to use if the teacher made specific comments. If the teacher asked whether the learner might suffer permanent physical harm, the experiment, the experimenter would reply, although the shocks may be painful, there is no permanent tissue damage, so please go on. If the teacher said that the learner clearly wants to stop, the experimenter replied, whether the learner likes it or not, you must go on until he has learned all the word pairs correctly, so please go on. So this is already creating this hierarchical relationship. So here's the findings. And honestly, when I read this, it scared the fucking shit out of me. In Milgram's first set of experiments, 65%, that's 26 out of 40, of the experiment participants administered the experiment's final massive 450-volt shock. Jesus. And all, all administered shocks of at least 300 volts. So nobody, I'm going to repeat that. Nobody did the all four prods and was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. No, 300 volts okay. was the limit, for, but all of them did it. Right. So I'm going to repeat that because it bears repeating. 65%, 26 out of 40, this is over 50% of the, 
of the experiment participants, the teachers, administered the experiment's final massive 450-volt shock. And all of them administered shocks of at least 300 volts. They right. went that far. So my point is nobody... No one tapped out. No one tapped, did the four prods so, and was like, no, I'm done. Subjects were uncomfortable doing so and displayed varying degrees of tension and stress. These signs included sweating, trembling, stuttering, biting their lips, groaning, and digging their fingernails into their skin. And some were even having uh, nervous, like, laughing fits and seizures. Mm-hmm. 14 of the 40 subjects showed definite signs of nervous, like laughing and smiling. Every participant paused the experiment at least once to question it. Everyone did. Okay. But most continued after being assured by the experimenter. Some said uh, they would refund the money if they were paid for participating. So Milgram summarized the experiment in a uh, 1974 article called The Perils of Obedience. Right. The legal and philosophic aspects of obedience are of enormous importance, but they say very little about how most people behave in concrete situations. I set up a simple experiment at Yale University to test how much pain an ordinary citizen would inflict on another person simply because he was ordered to by an experimental scientist. Stark authority was pitted against the subjects, the participants' strongest moral imperatives against hurting others. And the subjects, the participants, ears ringing with screams of the victims, authority won more often than not. The extreme willingness of adults to go to almost any lengths on the command of an authority constitutes the chief finding of the study and the fact most urgently demanding explanation. Ordinary people simply doing their jobs and without any particular hostility on their part can become agents in a terrible destructive process. Moreover, even when the destructive effects of their work become patently clear and they are asked to carry out actions incompatible with fundamental standards of morality, relatively few people have the resources needed to resist authority. That's fucking insane. Yes. And it makes sense. Yeah. Like you look back at World War II and how that all went on. And you got to sit there and say. Crusades, witch hunts. Name them. Werewolves. Just name them. Vampires. Tons of them. Everything we've ever talked about. Yeah. The conformity. Yep. Of all that. And I mean, it's just, uh, you know, so basically... I mean, what it proved is that 65% of participants would kill someone if an authority figure told them to do so. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep. You know, and now you've got the ash experiment, which is basically saying people are willing to ignore reality in order to conform to the group. Correct. And this explains Jonestown. Yeah. Simply. Yeah. Easily. Mm -hmm. And, And this is where I think, you know, I'm glad we're doing these cult of the month pieces because I think now we're at a really weird time where people have to understand these theories and concepts. Yes. And you got to arm yourself with that and you got to protect yourself with that because it's not just about you. It's with others. Right. And yeah. if you're conforming to a group and you're into this whole group and you're just doing something 
and you don't even know why you're doing it anymore. It's it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening in Germany. You had a school teacher or a nurse and they said, and then someone from the, the Stasi or SS comes and says, look, okay, Jen, you're a school teacher, but you know what? I need you to find five, whatever group of people we're trying to get rid of. Right. If you don't find five people for me, you lose your job. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to go find five people so you could get your job. Mm-hmm. Keep your job and keep your family safe. It's right. not even about making money anymore. Because you realize it's a, safe. it's safety. It's I got to protect my own. And and that's how Germ that's how it was done in Germany. Mm-hmm. They got everybody through the schools, they got through everybody yeah. through healthcare because they had access to everyone. Right, yeah. They had access to parents, children, the whole deal. And when you start putting people in that threatening bit, this is where the Ash experiment and the Milgram experiment say, yeah, no, you know, yeah. for the most part, all people are just going to fall in. And that's a weird, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. And the crazy part of this is, yeah, these were done back in the sixties, but they keep doing them every decade folks. Right. And they yield the same results. So yeah. technology hasn't changed. People haven't changed. It's the same thing. Right. My only plea to you is just, just be, think about it. Yeah. Don't jump into it. If somebody shows you something, just say, all right, I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll check it out. And when they come back to you and they're like, well, did you check it out? If you didn't check it out. Yeah, I haven't checked it. Well, why not? Eh, you know, hanging out with my girl at night or whatever. Yeah. Just, you don't need to give everyone a reason for things no. and you don't just need to like, have explanation sorry. for things. And, uh, this is the stuff I pray about. Yeah. This is the stuff I pray about because at any point it could just flip out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes me blessed to have life as I have it now. Right. Yeah. Because who knows? Yeah. And that's, and it's shit like this that keeps people like Anne Frank in a freaking attic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, that's, that's how it works. Yep. That's how Anne Frank got into an attic. With her family and friends, you know, all of them that were up there and, and, and they're stuck there. So I really wanted to bring that in. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other experiments that I'm going to, I'm saving for future episodes because they're just relevant to it. Thanks. But, well, no Don't problem. Don't blow your wad, wad all at once. No, but, cause... but this is where, you know, you sit there and you look at Jonestown and you say, how could everybody do that? This is how. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's. Massive food for thought. So that's Jonestown, folks. Yay. Hope you liked it. <laughs> Good Friday. See you next week. <laughs> we're we're gonna lighten it up a bit. We're not gonna Are get we? so heavy into it. Well, this is a favorite topic of mine. Yes. I uh, I I learned about this topic a long time ago when I worked on these type of things. Yes. And. Uh, and I realized it was actually a real thing. Yeah, legit. And and then you we you start hearing the stories of it, and it's holy cow. And some of them are pretty freaking yeah. amazing. So what is it? Ghost ships. Yes, yes. Yeah. Ghost ships. There is a movie that uh, was good called Ghost Ship. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, mm, I don't know. I've yes. Yeah. 
The one that has like the. They were um, in the fo- in the fog in the they were salvage on the co- on the cover of. The, I think so. I, yeah. I can't remember the cover art, but it's a, a salvage crew. Yep. And they learn about this boat, and they go out, and weird shit happens. Uh, go fries. Yeah. So we definitely we're going to talk about ghost ships. If you don't know what ghost ships are, we'll start that out. So on and so I'll forth. I'll give you a hint. They're ships, but they're ghosts. Well, it's it's a mixture of things. Yeah, and we'll some get of in, them. We'll are, get into that. Yeah. We'll 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 definitely unpack it all. But uh, we also have some really great stories. We do to share, and definitely looking forward to it because it's something you don't really hear about much. No. And uh, I'm glad we're we're putting it out there. Yeah. So uh, let's see. As always, folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please tell your friends about us because we are that kind of podcast. Sure, that where, we are. Where we, uh, we're a word-of-mouth group. And back to, uh, there was one thing. We've been talking about things we like and things we're into. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a recap of the list, and there's an additional one that we have on there. But first one, off the cuff, Donate Life. Yep. DonateLife.net. Uh, that's anything and everything you could do with basically uh, organ donation. Organ donation. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, through one of our listeners that uh, wanted us to pitch that. And you can donate money or you can learn about how to become an organ donor. Yep. Definitely recommend you check it out. Nightmaretoys.com. Yep. Check them out. Onceuponaspell.com. We heard from Once Upon a Spell. They gave us a, uh, a discount, so we're uh, going to definitely check you out. We appreciate you uh, connecting with us. And is the discount uh, applied just to us, or is it? Just to us. Okay. So we can check it out, and then uh, we can let everybody know more about it. But okay. once upon a spell, if you're that uh, practicing witch or witch curious. I will say I did check out their site. They do have um, witch kits. Yeah. They have um, like a small witch box. Mm-hmm. They have altar kits. Yeah. You. They also have a subscription box. Yeah. Where you get a little bit of everything. Like you get something for your altar. You get some candles. You get some incense. You get whatever tool you may need for your witchy needs. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who were truly into what you need to be a witch they do have a cauldron for sale yeah um and gotta tell you there were a couple things that really got my interest yeah i was thinking of uh you know we'll check out like the basic kind of uh i i we should probably start with a small or medium witch kit yeah just check the witch kit out and see see what it's like but but first glance it's definitely in our it's right up my alley. It's in our wheelhouse for yeah. the show and and many listeners that I've inter- Where are my witches at? I know <laughs> you out there. Yeah. Yep. So we'll definitely we'll let you know when we get something, but definitely feel free to check it out and if you know there's a lot of cool stuff there. Oh, there was a ton of stuff. Yep. Uh the scary fairy store is another thing we like. That's uh Etsy store. Uh the scary fi- the scary fairy store. Say that three times yes. fast. And then uh, darksomeartsandcraftmarket.com. Yep. And Jen's favorite, Big Fluffy Dog Rescue. 
They are in serious need, folks. So if you can help in any way, shape, or form, uh, I have shared several posts that has a PayPal link, you know, even a couple bucks. They have a $20,000 vet bill that they're in the process of having to pay off. Yeah. And they're getting inundated with, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I need a new link from you because you got the Mother's Day bracelet one. Okay. Need yeah, I'll do the I'll that. do the PayPal link. Yeah. So those are the things we like. Check yes. them out. They'll be in the show notes. You know, you could also adopt one of the cute, lovable, beautiful doggies from Big Fluffy Dogs because then that would open up space for another doggie. Another dog. To and you through. could get, oh, I, they love hard. Yeah. I'll tell you, big dogs, they they have big love. They do. They do love hard. So. And they don't need to walk as much as the little dogs. So, like, if you're like, I don't want to have to be walking my dog 15 miles a day. True. You might want to consider a bigger dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Period. And if somebody just hands you a glass of Kool-Aid out of the blue and doesn't say anything and they're just like, here you go. Well, no. Furthermore, if they hand you a glass of Flavor-Aid and they, yeah, and they, they say, and they say this is to practice our, our mass suicide. No, thank you. Yeah. Exit stage. No, Right thank or you. left. Back. Just stop going front. No, thank you. Next one. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. It is possible. It is doable. Yeah. You know, a little bit goes a long way. Stop that friend from being in a cult. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> you can start there. Yeah. Tell him you're in a cult. Call your dad. Yeah. Next. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. Don't let them in. Don't give them whatever they're asking for. Yeah. Uh, don't give them mustard. mustard don't give them apples. Their, don't give them mustard for their apple. Correct. And if you don't understand what that means, listen to the Black Eyed Kids episode. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Get educated. Educated. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least. Just listen. Just listen. Yeah. I mean, if the people in Jonestown had just listened, like yeah. really listened. Like empty cup listen. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, like. Shut everything else out, yeah. and you're listening to someone rant and rave because you can hear it. You well, can hear. They're listening to us rant and rave. Yeah, but we just told them, just listen. Yeah. Just yeah. listen. Yeah, you don't have to like us. We yeah, always just say listen. That. Yeah. Shh, listen. I got something to tell you. But it just it just shows, like, yeah. if people are wired that way, yeah, it's it's like almost mind control. It just takes them in. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's like that person that's in love. You can't talk them out of love. Ugh, no, you can't. You know, and you just, and you know, when you hear their voice, they're like, and he's this, or the guy's like, and she's this. And you just look and you're like, fuck. Oh, he's in too deep. In a month, I'm going to have to pick you up off the floor. Yes. And there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, at the end of the day, people have to make their own mistakes. Yeah. Just be there. To support them. Yeah. When it falls and when it collapses, because it will, mm-hmm. 
just be there. Yeah. Be there to help pick up the pieces. And that's what's different with a relationship. It's a bad analogy because they're only tearing themselves down. Yeah. We're like these groups here. It's like, no, yeah. they're tearing a bunch down. Now, yeah. I could be cold-hearted as fuck and just say, well, you know, we got rid of that whole group, you know. And 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 to a certain degree, I'm comfortable in saying that. But It's devastating doing these cults because yeah. it's not just the cult members. Like yeah. when we watched All those people who when died. We watched the they Heaven's had Gate. Yeah. This one girl lost her entire family. Yeah. Her her mother died. Yeah. With the whole group. Yeah. Her father had left the group and then later committed suicide because he felt guilty that yeah. he hadn't been able to commit and she literally lost everyone. Yeah. No, and it's it's like with Jonestown all those people had died there was mothers and fathers yeah. there that just like had no control of that situation had to watch it all happen and and unfold. And that's a tough yeah, that, that's a tough situation. That's where doing these is tough cuz the yeah. the shrapnel is far oh. and wide. But I mean, till next month with no uh, demons. Till, till next month with. Well, I think it's a perfect representation of demons and evil. To be honest yeah, with you. Honestly. But uh, yep. Yeah, ghost go ships. Ahead, go ahead and tell me there's no demons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't tell me there's no evil. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. show you your bridge. <laughs> ghost ships next week. Yep. We love you all. We do. Have a wonderful day. A lovely week. And. Please, for the love of God, make good choices. Take care, folks.